Just a few weeks ago, Elon Musk, Twitter's new CEO, tweeted out a poll. Bring back Vine, yes or no? Nearly 5 million votes later, 70% of people voted to resurrect the video app that Twitter actually purchased but eventually shut down six years ago. In its heyday, Vine really was a breakthrough. It took the idea of short-form content to a new and creative level with a six-second limit on videos that would play on a loop. Vine made stars of a number of creators, and for a brief period, it was the social media platform to beat. But a number of factors led to its eventual downfall. So if Vine were to come back, what would it need to do differently this time around? And deeper still, can it compete with the reigning short-form juggernaut that is TikTok? This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. Now, it's hard to tell if Elon was serious about bringing Vine back or if he was just trolling people, but according to some sources, it could be a real possibility by the end of the year. To get a sense of what this would look like and what it would mean for the creator economy, I called Lauren Schnipper. Lauren is the VP of Corporate Development at JellySmack, which, if you didn't know, is a company that's all about growing creators and their audiences. And before JellySmack, Lauren was producing content for creators, and she was a creator partnerships lead at Facebook. She's also currently the co-host of Creator Upload, which is another podcast breaking down the creator economy. So basically, she spends a lot of time thinking about this space, and I wanted to get her point of view on the rise and fall of Vine and whether or not it should rise again. All right. Well, hi, Lauren. Thank you for hi. joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, please. This is this is I feel like this is going to be a fun conversation because uh, nope, sure. <laughs> Twitter's nope. in a fun place right now. Oh, my God. All of, it's in a fun, all of it's mean, in a fun place. Oh fun and huge quotes. And so, you know, obviously, we're here to talk about Elon kind of ruminating about the idea of bringing Vine back. Right. So, sure, sure. But I kind of want to start with what made Vine popular in the first yeah. place. So, yeah. Because I know it as just like a lover of the app when it was very popular. But I mean, you were working in the social media space. So I just want to hear from your perspective, like what made Vine popular? Yeah, well, I have a lot of thoughts about what made it popular and also what ultimately led to its demise. Um, Oh, we're going to get there. (laughs) Oh, oh, sure. They go hand in hand. So yeah, what you were referring to at the time, I was running creator partnerships at Facebook when Vine kind of reached like its apex of popularity 2014, 2015. And, you know, a couple things made it really popular. First of all, it was six second video. So the barrier to entry was much smaller. I mean, previously, you know, it was all about kind of long form on YouTube. And I love how YouTube now will be like, we were always about short form because I think their first video was technically short. I'm like, you guys are... Uh, Yeah, no, Uh, that's no. (laughs) Not at all. And I had this theory. I'm like a really big comedy nerd. And so comedy comes in threes. And so six seconds, right? Two, two, two. So there was a lot of comedy. You could do a lot of really fun, fast comedy on Vine. And you could do it really fast. And in terms of production-wise, right? Like the barrier in terms of that was super low. So it just allowed for this new crop of creators that didn't have as much know-how, didn't have as much money and expertise to come in and just really show their raw talent in a fast way. And I feel like it was the first thing, like way obviously pre-TikTok days where, you know, it just, the algorithm just kind of kept feeding you more and more of this content and the hamster wheel of then needing to create more content obviously came about. But I think that's kind of why it was really popular at the time. And also I think it's really 
important to note, it actually bred like a new breed of creators from a lot of different socioeconomic kind of areas in the world. And so I think that a lot of people saw themselves in these creators and they hadn't seen it previously with sort of some YouTubers. Um, and I think that's really important to note as well. Hmm. For sure. And kind of take me back to your Facebook days. I mean, what conversations were you having, like, as you saw Vine becoming more popular? Because as we've seen, like, a lot of these platforms yep. can get very, <laughs> they see a feature that they like, and then they're yep. just like, okay, go to the lab and recreate it. So, like, what conversations were you yeah, having I on mean, Facebook? Candidly, there wasn't really any conversations about, like, we need to make a short form video product. When I got to Facebook in 2014, there were literally two engineers working on video. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It was Are you like, serious? Yes. Wow. Like, I'm totally serious. And so people, like, really like to compare Facebook to YouTube, but we, we, I'm not there anymore, I haven't been for three years. No. They <laughs> are much further behind with regards to innovation and video than, like, YouTube, for example. So when I was there, it was more just about like supporting what had just emerged as like, wow, people really want to watch video on this platform. So it was just mm -hmm. building like a product that didn't break. That was like really the conversation from like a product standpoint. With regards to Viners, I was actually pretty well known in the space to in terms of recognizing what was ultimately going to become like the downfall of Vine. It's quickly going to get to that part of the story. I was going to say, my next <laughs> question is, when did you first notice some cracks in Vine's armor? Yeah, <laughs> Please, well, Lord. when I started seeing a lot of these sort of Viners kind of coming to Facebook because they could do longer mm. form videos and they could do branded content. And also... They they could do branded content on Vine, but what was happening at Vine is people forget. People want to talk about, including Facebook, we were always about creators and we want creators to make a bunch of money. No. Okay. Like I was the sole person inside that company. They were smart enough to hire me that was like sort of supporting this talent. Nobody was doing that at Vine. Vine didn't want to be the place for these like misfit creators. They didn't want that. So they didn't support them. And so enter me and I'm seeing some of these sort of Viners go to Facebook and have really big presences. Now I'm going to remind you that there was no monetization on Facebook at the time. Mm. Um, but what I would do is literally have these like salons where I would go to some MCNs that were starting to rep some of these folks and then bring them to Facebook. Facebook, sit them in front of product folks and be like, what should we build? Tell them what you want them to build. And so I was really supporting them every way I could. Now, the problem was because we didn't offer monetization, they were doing what Facebook would deem a lot of shady stuff to get paid. So they were doing like share for share stuff. And they were doing, there were a lot of kind of companies out there where that were like, post this kind of content, we'll pay you $10,000 a month, but it would really mess up their ranking in the algorithm. And then they'd come to me like, why is this happening? And I'd be like, cause you're posting that. And they'd be like, no, I didn't. I deleted it. And I'd be like, I don't think I couldn't see that. Like, you know, it was like a lot, but I felt really badly for them because a lot of these folks were like pouring their heart and soul in this content. And we were like, monetization is coming. But when the fall of down ultimately did happen, I actually was incredibly proud because a lot of big viners were interviewed about what their thoughts on this. And a lot of them said, like, I don't even really care because I'm finding a home on Facebook. And there was one particular creator that I have to say, I was very excited to hear said that he felt that Vine wasn't supporting them because there were a lot of creators of color. And he felt that Facebook really was. And that was like, he didn't say my name directly but it, it was it was me because <laughs> I was the right. only one doing it and it right. was one of my proudest moments to be honest but it was becoming a graveyard of branded content it was like they had no idea what to do with these kids and they weren't supporting them and it, and so it just it was it was a disaster I feel like you know obviously that was a huge part of Vine's downfall is the fact that they really weren't supporting creators in the way that a lot of creators need to be supported Not but at all I think also it was like, to me, I didn't really see much in innovation in terms of like their features. And maybe they just Not weren't around long enough. I no, don't they know were, what. They didn't, it's all of the above. Let's right. be fair. It's not like YouTube was like amazing at supporting creators either. And like yeah. I was doing as much as I could, but I was like kind of a one woman show at Facebook. So it took a long time for all the platforms to kind of catch up. Mm -hmm. But no, they didn't want to have this like, 
kind of content. They wanted to be premium. You know what I mean? Right. Also, I just think it's really important to give context and like where kind of the industry was at the time. This is not long after YouTube sort of famously spent $100 million creating these kind of new channels and some were pre-existing, but like giving all that money to like no homegrown talent, like Sarah Silverman, Jash, like all these places. And like at the time I was working as a producer in the space and like all these creators were super mad YouTubers that they weren't given some of this money. Well, why did YouTube do this? Because they needed to boost up this kind of content to prove to advertisers that there was like the kind of content they wanted to put their ads behind. In the end, 99% of those channels went under. And I remember being, before I went to Facebook, being like, they like wasted $100 million. Well, again, inside of Facebook, that ain't, that's a drop in the bucket for those right. kind of companies. And what they actually did was prove out the model and ultimately prove to advertisers you could put your ads behind this content. So it was a time when it was really like, you know, advertisers is what a lot of these platforms live and die from. And if they're not going to put their content on the platforms, it doesn't matter. And Vine had like none of it. So it was a really weird time for creators. It wasn't what it is today. Nobody was talking about the creator economy. Nobody gave this talent any respect. And I just been doing it for a long time. And I recognized kind of this talent and they had something. I mean, we're talking about Nash Greer, Cameron Dallas, who's like, he's like a startup guy now. Like these are dudes right. that were like coming up, like King Batch, like all these guys who like kind of household names in some, you know, certain points. And, and they were not getting the support. But I say this also to be like, I don't know, I blame Vine, but I don't because I think they just were thinking this isn't what we want to be because that's not where the advertisers mm. are going to go. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think yeah. it's interesting. I mean, how much... Because I find it interesting to look at it from this lens of it seems like creators have so much power on these platforms because yeah. as someone who was never trying to be a creator, I was good just consuming the content. I was good with just like getting the jokes and the humor. And so to me, I was like, as long as there's still people producing it, it wasn't even just like the big names I was following, like the King Batch, like, you know, yep. Lele Pons, like Amanda Serrano, yep. all these people. Like it wasn't even, I was I was following them, of course, but I was following, you know, other random people as well. Sure. And so sure. I just find it interesting that like that is what so many people attribute the downfall of Vine to is that the creators weren't getting what they needed. And I find it fascinating because conceivably it could have kept going with just other regular regular users like uploading it could, their content. It could, but yeah. I kind of put it in the same bucket in some ways of like a MySpace. And I think mm. there's a lot of different reasons why MySpace didn't work, but I think that it kind of became like a dog's breakfast in terms of like when you went and looked at the profile. It was just right. a mess. And what they did incorrectly, like certainly what, on the point of view from like Facebook when I was there, is that like if you remember MySpace, you could like personalize it in all these ways. And the bandwidth that it took to like support those kind of personalizations took away from product in innovation and like mm. any other kind of innovating. I candidly don't know who the product folks were really like behind it at the time of its demise, but they just weren't innovating in terms of product and they weren't setting any policies around branded content. So it became mm. like a branded content graveyard. Listen, do I think there's one reason it went down? No, I just think it was a mess. Like you yeah. went on it, it's just the worst experience. You remember like, the looping of the videos? You went and made you it crazy. Wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. And it was like they weren't listening to the people that were really using, you know, my job right now, I work at Jelly Smack, I'm in corporate development, I look at startups all day long in this space. And one thing that you have to understand from a product perspective is like you might set out to do one thing with your product that you launch and then the users might decide to do something else and the smart mm -hmm. founders, you know, save from like something illegal and whatever, listen to the user feedback. And they were not listening to that user feedback at all. They were like trying to do what they wanted to do or and not well and not listening to the people that were actually like doing and doing it well. So I think that like from a broad sense, that's why it failed. 
Mm, I totally agree. And, you know, thinking about all the reasons why Vine didn't make it, do you say like TikTok obviously is sort of like the one that people compare it to in terms of like short form content? So, you know, I guess like what did TikTok do right for it to succeed where Vine fell short? I don't know, magical Chinese algorithms. I'm not right. Really no, but actually, yeah, it is that I algorithm. Mean, it is that for you page. Like, absolutely. It's discovery with TikTok yes. is in, right? Period. Like, it's really easy is the wrong word. It's easy to build an audience on TikTok. It's not easy to monetize it. And it's not easy to kind of maintain. And once you build that. And they also did something differently than I think any other platform. Is, well, a few things. Number one, they made it really easy to share the content, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything else, every other platform, both that I've worked for and on, has always been about it being a walled garden, right? Mm-hmm. And so in TikTok did not, they were like, we give no Fs and like, let's get this content out everywhere, you know, and that's one of the reasons. And they also, instead of, and this is not great for creators, instead of servicing the creator, they're servicing me, the audience, Right. So that's why you have things like at VidCon, you've got creators with millions of followers on TikTok and nobody's showing up to their meet and greets because you're not creating like a sustainable connection because I'm just like watching the stuff. And I say me, I say I and the like royal I because I don't have TikTok because I think it should be banned. (laughs) And I think it will be actually. (laughs) All right. I really think. I feel like you're judging me um, um, <laughs> as someone who uh, spends an ungodly amount of oh, time on that PC. app. I'm sorry. Listen, I get it. I get it. Entertaining. I'm working on creating boundaries. Do you know that the Chinese government does not allow like children to spend more than 40 minutes on the app? Literally. But I am not a child. True. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fully grown adult with sure. a fully formed you are brain. Choosing, so I, I'm you choosing are choos- to rot my you brain. You are okay. choosing to. And that's your right. And I am supportive of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so what I think made them successful is that combination of things. It's, it's fascinating though. But I think as a creator, if I'm thinking from that standpoint, as soon as I build that audience on TikTok, I got to move it somewhere else because I don't think it's sustainable. And right. you know, we'll see what happens with them ultimately from like all the regulation standpoint and everything like that. But I think that like, it's not there to service the creator. It's there to service the audience, which is genius. It's yeah. genius. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. even just going on the on the note of like features and product innovation, because I mean, what I find interesting is that in the features with like duetting and stitching and you know, even like their filters, yeah. like that becomes its own creative like force in itself. Like sometimes yeah. the joke is in the duet, joke is in the filter. And so yeah. I think that's something that Vine never had a chance to really oh, innovate no. on. We're still talking about Vine. It's like not yeah, even no. an no, 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 it's no, not no. even a thing. Yeah. And so before we get into the possibility of Vine coming back per Elon's, you know, sure. talking about this on Twitter, yep. should Vine come back? Let's start there. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, the funny thing is, it's like, what does that even mean other than like a marketing ploy and using that name? Because whatever mm-hmm. they're going to do, it's going to come, it's going to look entirely and totally different. I think it could mm-hmm. be like, the kids love a nostalgia play. So like, to me, the only reason to like continue to use that word is like, because of that, because like, because what does it have to have? It has to have some meaningful path to some sort of monetization. It can't just be six seconds, right? It's got to think about like, what does the algorithm look like? And I think it increased to um, 15 or something seconds and right before it went down. And so do I think that Twitter should have a meaningful video experience? I do. I actually really do. And I think that there's a lot of things one can say about Elon, but I think you cannot deny his forward thinking and level of innovation and willingness to try things in a very bold way. And I think that it'd be very interesting to see what he would build in terms of video product. Creators come for distribution and monetization. You've got to have a combination of that or some outsized version of one or the other. So for a while on Facebook, the creators were coming because if you did video on Facebook, the distribution was insane. It was so good. It's much more crowded now. It's not as easy anymore. 
TikTok, right? You get insane distribution. So people are willing to spend their time if they're going to see meaningful numbers. But then it gets to a point where they're like, "Ah, I got to make some money now. You know what I mean? So I would come out the gate with some sort of monetization. I wouldn't start with this. Let's launch it and let's see. Like, I just think that like that's going to be a big waste of time, Um, whether it's from some sort of creator fund, which I'm not a huge fan of those, but like, sure. Yeah. Well, they're just not sustainable, and I don't know what exactly. they mean. Yeah, yeah. right. That like, it's going yeah. to run out. And yeah. I was going to actually pick your brain on this because that's always been the challenge with short form content. Is like how yes. do you monetize it? Because you know it's it's very tricky because you're not going to put like a mid roll ad in like you know a six second clip of something. So no, it's, like, it's really. I mean, it's, and even it's the way a, TikTok is doing it, it's like okay, the ad before is that like do I get money from that? It's just it can get really dicey. And so, what path forward do you see for? Because obviously, you know, if you build an audience, you you can get brand deals, all that type of stuff. But when it comes to monetizing your content against ads on these platforms, especially with short form video, what is the path forward there? I don't have a tremendous amount of faith of, of short form being its own sustainable, huge form of monetization. Yeah. I think that because of all the things you described, I think it's really tough. I think there's a ton of incentive to figure it out. And like YouTube is obviously going to be like first out the gate in January to do it. I find I super nerd out about big and small product changes that actually affect massive change in user behavior, both audience and creator behavior. So for example, YouTube um, announces they're going to monetize, you know, shorts in January. And if they can figure that out, right, and like it can be its own monetization ecosystem, what you're going to have on YouTube are two distinct kind of ecosystems, right? Like you're going to have the shorts ecosystem because people can just be huge on shorts and live there and that's going to be their world. And then you're going to have the long form. My gut, it's not going to be that. My gut is that you're going to have some folks that are doing that and they're going to continue to try to like sort of connect the two and get you over to long form because that's going to be better kind of ad dollars. And so I think it's always going to be that connecting and the goal is always going to be go to long form if you're looking at ad supported monetization. But also, I could be proven wrong and they can do this totally separately. But I, I think all the things you described are just the realities, right? Like, it's just like, how do you break up the monetization when you've got a video before and after two other videos? I just think it's going to be continuously difficult. And like, it's going to be the small few that are going to really be able to have a sustainable, really big ad supported monetization on shorts. That, that's my prediction. Yeah, but it's. I feel like they've got to figure it out because like short, short form content is yeah. not going away. It's no, too no. people. It, those like snack sized bites of entertainment, like that's what people. Of course, I mean, there's always going to be room and space for like long form yep. content, whatever. Yep. But those in between moments, like when you're just on break or something like that, just like looking at something quick, like that, there, that's not going to die. Yeah, away I mean, I mean, it can soon. look a lot of different ways. They can start putting paywalls against things. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of different ways that this can kind of end up looking. There could be different right. options. There could be tipping. Like all those things that kind of already exist. But like, I think that there will be folks that make a big living on shorts exclusively. But I think it's going to be some combination of all the things. And I think in terms of if we're just talking about ad supported, I think that's going to be very difficult to make like a real living on just ad supported behind shorts content. I just don't, I don't understand how they, I don't know. I think it's going to yeah. happen, but I'm, I'm very excited to see how it goes. And, and all of the platforms are like, it's like an arms race to who can figure it out mm-hmm. first. Absolutely. Like if you think that like when, when the FCC announced they you recommend a ban on TikTok, if you think those partnerships teams at YouTube and Facebook and Instagram are not doing exactly what I did when I saw the fall of Vine and calling all those folks and getting them and whining and dining. I mean, like that is exactly <laughs> what they're, as they should be. And yeah. we're in a much different position than we were in like 2020 when like Trump called for a ban because there was nowhere for those people to go. Now yeah. they got places to go. You know what I mean? And so it's not that dire. Like, I honestly think if TikTok goes away, it's going to be a blip. Like, I literally think. Really? I do. 
too. Isn't that, that so is, crazy? Well, that is a bold what? statement. No wonder you're Thank whispering. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, I, you know, I would feel very badly for some friends of mine that work there, but I just think that like creators have a ton of options now. I do. And yeah. I think that Vi I think that Twitter will come out as another place for them to go. I do. It's that a huge true. opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. Yeah. And I think and YouTube that, Shorts um, is doing pretty well. So it's, it's doing like, great. Yeah. It's, I mean, no, I, yeah. It's great. It's I mean, nice. I, I yeah, it's doing great. So I just think that from a creator standpoint, I'll just go there. And they're already doing it. They're already the ones that have gotten bit are already building up presences on other platforms. So I, right. I just think from a creator standpoint, I don't know. Hmm. They, they won't find, funny. find it down. We haven't talked about Snap at all in this equation, which it's is true. Yeah, which I, I I was just having this conversation in one of our, our ideas meetings with my team. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I can't figure out what's going on with Snap. I can't. I it's an app that I feel like kind of had its gimmick, like ephemeral content. You yeah. go and, yeah. you know, it, it had that. Plus it had the filters. Like they yep. were really innovative in yep. making those filters. But yep. it seems like they have not gone past that. And I, I, in my mind, I'm like, is it because it was never a repository for content? Like it was never really meant. It was more so of well, a messaging app than anything. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a communication yeah. device for like all right. the kids, right? right? So that's really what they did. And I think that I've always respected, first of all, sort of the product innovation that's come out of there, mm -hmm. right? Like they're obviously like, you know, stories was <laughs> copied the world over. Of and I, and I, and I appreciate the fact that like they have focused on, not that they haven't tried to grow, let's be real, but like I feel like it's been more about making a real product, a sustainable business and product that works versus just like grow at no cost, which we know the platforms that have sort of done that. But I think it's a really great question. Like where do they fit into all this? Obviously, they're doing a lot of sort of more original content with regards to like when you say where, where is it fit? You mean like in terms of like the short form sort of sphere? Yeah. Is that where that where you're right. sort of thinking? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just don't think yeah. they're like one to like jump on the hype. I feel like they want to be the innovator more than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I ask because if we look at sort of this patchwork of social media companies that are hot, some are kind of dwindling, some that are no longer mm -hmm. with us, mm -hmm. is there anything left on the table that Vine could really latch onto and capitalize on? Like, because we already talked about the need for monetization out the gate, which I completely sure. agree with. But in terms of just features and like, what is there that Vine could do? Well, I think to me, it's um, almost less about what they could do and who could they do it for. So if uh, you take LinkedIn, for example, which has been, you know, really ramping up their creator program, I think that like, Twitter has an opportunity to like everybody gets their news on Twitter, right? So yeah. what are the products and services that they can build for those folks that they really want versus like, what is the definition of a creator and then build for them? Like go, this is what Vine did not do, right? They didn't go look at their power users and say, what can I do for you? And that is the opportunity that they have right now. I think we all can agree. It's been like debated and discussed ad nauseum that like the level of discourse and communication that happens on Twitter, you know, relative to the level of success that they've had from a, like a, a valuation standpoint is ridiculously imbalanced, right? And I think it's because they haven't really done, which makes sense because it's in the sort of DNA of Vine. They haven't really built for what their core audience wants or needs. And that, that's where I would start. Right. Oh, that's a good point. And let's say, because, you know, they're saying, according to, you know, Axios, which I think have the exclusive of this, are saying that there's a possibility that this could come by the end of 2022. And so yeah. should Vine come back, what are what conversations would you be having at Jelly Smack to think about this and start working on this? Because, you know, Jelly Smack is one of like the, uh, the leading company in yeah. helping creators like grow their platform. So what conversations would you have? Should we get that green light that Vine's coming back? 
the first conversation would be like, what is the monetization, right? Yeah. Because what we do is do content syndication, right? So we basically exploit and get the most value out of one piece of content by putting it on our other platforms and monetizing it for creators in a way that they like kind of really can't do on their own because we do like so much A-B testing and automation with the content. And, you know, what we really offer for creators is like, do nothing and collect a check. That's, <laughs> which doesn't, you know, not too bad, That's right? That's why they love you. So, <laughs> yeah. So the first question would be, and this is a question that we have with every kind of platform. We did a deal, you know, with Pinterest recently that was, you know, there was some press about, is that what's the monetization opportunity? And not to say, because we've done some work on TikTok, it's not to say that we wouldn't participate if it wasn't there right now, like, because it would be a great value add to say, hey, we could build you up on Vine, Twitter, whatever it's called right now. You know, we are a company that, you know, we have to understand what ROI is when we're, you know, in building up somebody's platform. So to me, that's the first conversation is to have with Twitter and say, just like, what is the future of monetization on this platform? And if it's relatively clear, then that's something that we would definitely invest in. Hmm. Interesting. So to kind of sum up everything that we've been talking about, let's start with, do you actually think this is going to happen? We've been just talking hypothetically, but like, I'm curious to know, like, do you think Elon was being for real or just kind of being Elon? (laughs) All of the above. But I also think that they have to figure out video. And I, again, do I know it's going to be called Vine? I think that's kind of honestly irrelevant. Like, I think they have to figure out... Vine Plus. Yeah, I think they have to figure out video. (laughs) You know, he's really bullish on subscriptions, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of paywall version that that's what he wants to do. Mm. You know, all the reporters and journalists who are on there, and it's like, you know, they create their version. I'm making this up. Like, their Substack that has video, and there's something that, you know, like, I could see something like that happening. Do I think that Twitter is going to invest in video and figure something out there? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Lauren, this was fun. <laughs> I had <laughs> I fun. I really enjoyed I this. I had fun. No, because honestly, like this is when that came, when when I saw that tweet, I was like, oh, yeah. wow, what is this yeah. going to look like? But I think you bring up a really good point in saying that it would be wise to not necessarily get on like TikTok's avenue of like dance challenges sure. and things like that, but like lean into what people use Correct. Twitter for, which is like politics, Correct. news, like what does that look like? So that's actually a really oh, good point. Thank so you, Casey. I, well, I suppose we'll Listen, see. Listen, um, you know? <laughs> I have a podcast too called Creator Upload where you can listen to me make all sorts of good points every week. <laughs> Ta-da, exactly. No, listen, and I do. So, I love it. there you go. I love it. Oh, Lauren, thank you so much for your thank time. You. I really I'm appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so happy to be it. here. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this episode of Creative Control. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And make sure you rate and comment as well. I say it every week, and I mean it every week. I love hearing from you. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, Matt Toder, and Julia Shu. Welcome to the team, Julia. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment, Scott Mebus. 